Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Lent is just around the corner, my friends, so today I want to talk about one beautiful Lenten devotion that can transform our Lenten experience. And it's one that's not often talked about, and sometimes some Catholics may have misunderstandings about it, but it's so powerful. You see, in the season of Lent, it's really all about entering deeper into the heart of Jesus. Isn't that what we long for? To enter more deeply into the heart of Jesus? That's why we do all these sacrifices and give up things and we do these extra prayers. It's so that we can create space in our hearts to encounter Jesus. It's not about, oh, I gave up chocolate. I gave this up for Jesus. It's about creating more space in my heart to enter into the heart of Christ. And in these 40 days of Lent, the church invites us to pay close attention to Jesus. And of all the books of the Bible, the gospels should be very close to us in Lent. And of all the parts of the gospels, the climax of the story, the story of Christ's passion should always be on our minds. You see, the passion narratives, the stories of Christ's suffering and death, we call them passion because it comes from the Latin word passio, which means suffering. But we're thinking about the suffering of Jesus, but something Pope Benedict explained is that the modern sense of passion also may come into the into meaning here, that, it, that the story of Jesus being betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and handed over to Caiaphas and scourged at a pillar and forced to carry a cross and then crucified, all those stories of Christ's passion are really about God's passionate love for us, that he's so in love with us. Listen to what Pope Benedict once said about the passion of Christ. He said, God is a lover with all the passion of a true love. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is really a lover? And not just a lover of people, members of the human race. (laughs) Do you believe God is passionately in love with you? Do you really believe that? Do you experience it? That he, he doesn't just love you. You know, I, I like you. You know, and uh, I'll help you, and I'll forgive you. Do, do you believe that he longs for your heart? He longs for your attention. He he wants to be so united to you that he finds you so beautiful in his sight that he just wants to be one with you. Do you believe that? And that. He was willing to do whatever he could to overcome all the obstacles that that keep us from him, from our own sin, that he's willing to go. As one commentator says, it was a divine fire of love that drove Jesus to Calvary. My hero, St. John Paul II, once said that when you look at the cross, you look at the passion narratives, you get the fullest revelation of God's love. But do you believe that personally? that Jesus is passionately in love with you and he longs for your gaze, for your attention, for your time. He wants to be one with you. Do you want to enter that, that divine love in a deeper way this Lent? Do you want to allow that divine love of Jesus and his passion to transform you and to spill over into everything you do and who you are and in your marriage and in your family and all your friendships? Well, if you want to encounter that love more, you really need to rediscover this beautiful Lenten devotion and make it a part of your weekly Lenten journey as something you do each week. 
And, and the devotion I want to talk about today is, is, is sometimes misunderstood, sometimes it's undervalued, sometimes it's viewed as intimidating. Oh, wow, does that, that take a long time? And I just want to encourage you here because there, there's a lot to this devotion. It's, it's something that goes back to the early church. You'll be joining millions of Catholics from all the way back to the early Christians that walked in Jesus's footsteps in this way. Uh, and it, and it, it can really change you. And there's many creative ways to pray it. Uh, in the course of your ordinary daily lives, to make it really easy in the midst of your life. But many people don't know about that. Today, I want to really unpack the power, the meaning, and practical ways of praying the beautiful devotion of Stations of the Cross. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and so excited to get into this topic today uh, about the stations. Uh, but first, let me give a shout out to the people there in the Austin, Texas area, San Marcos, Texas area. I was blessed to be at the Aspire Conference this last weekend uh, with many students from Texas State, many benefactors, parents, focus missionaries. It was just uh, an amazing day-long conference and banquet that we had uh, together. So uh, welcome. Thanks for checking out the show. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking a lot about Lent because Lent is just around the corner here starting. You marked your calendars, right? March 2nd is Ash Wednesday. And so it's good to go into Lent having a plan. And I want to share with you a, a couple resources really quick that could be helpful for you. I think some of you are familiar with the video Bible study that I did called No Greater Love. If you haven't, check it out. Uh, you can go to ascensionpress.com to learn about it. No Greater Love, a biblical walk through Christ's passion. What we did was we went to Jerusalem and we filmed right at the very places where Jesus's passion unfolds. We got to go right there in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, where those ancient olive trees are, whose root systems go all the way back to the time of Jesus. It's incredible. You can touch those olive trees and come in contact with something from the time of Christ. And, and, and we reflect on the biblical story of Christ's agony in the garden and his arrest there in that very garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And so it's powerful to not only hear the biblical story, understand the biblical prophecies and what was really going on in Christ's passion, but you can see where it all unfolded. We got to film at Caiaphas's house uh, where he's on trial and where Peter denies him three times. We got to film through the streets of Jerusalem, uh, tracing the way of the cross, remembering Jesus carrying that heavy cross to Calvary. And then, of course, we got to film right at Calvary itself uh, and go right to the tomb. It was it was incredible. So if you're looking for it, it's a small group Bible study and you could use it for your men's group, a women's group. It comes with questions that you can have for small group discussion. But, you know, I know that there are just many individuals and families that have used this. If you want to share with your children, this is what happened in Christ's passion and this is where it took place. You can actually visually see it all and you can, you can buy the DVDs or you can stream it online. Really easy. Right to your own phone. Uh, really easy to do. Go to Ascension Press com to learn about that no greater love a biblical walk through Christ's passion video Bible study filmed in Jerusalem but the other thing I want to share with you and you're going to be the first people I'm going to tell I'm so excited I have a brand new book that, that just came out uh, I'm so excited and it's it's what I want to talk about today it's called a Pocket Guide to Stations of the Cross. And so it's a short, simple book that unpacks the meaning, the history, and creative ways to pray the stations. And then it includes uh, reflections on each of the traditional 14 stations of the cross that the church has recited for centuries. It also includes uh, the, the 14 stations of the cross that John 
Paul II recommended, which were the biblical stations. So he takes all these scenes just from scripture, not not just from sacred tradition. So if you're looking for something for your own enrichment of devotion to the Stations of the Cross, you can check out my new book called A Pocket Guide to Stations of the Cross. Also there, you can go to ascensionpress.com slash stations. That's ascensionpress.com slash stations. Now, I want to tell you on a personal level here, Stations of the Cross really left a deep impression on me in my childhood. Uh, I, I was so blessed to grow up with the tradition of Stations of the Cross at my little Catholic school outside of Chicago and my Catholic parish. And, and I realize how blessed I am because I know that there are many people that weren't as into Stations of the Cross. And uh, we had a pastor in a, in a school that that really emphasized it. I remember every Friday of Lent, the whole whole school came out and joined the parish every Friday of Lent for Stations of the Cross. And so I just remember that. But it wasn't just in Lent. We did stations throughout the year. Every first Friday, the whole school came out and we did Stations of the Cross. And I remember the the pastor walking around the church to all those different images of the stations that we had throughout the church. And there were altar boys alongside him with candles. And it was a beautiful ritual. And we read from these little books and we did, we fell on our knees and said, we adore thee, O Christ, and we praise thee because by thy holy cross, thou hast redeemed the world. And, and then there were short little reflections on each of the scenes and then little prayers. And I just know as a child, it just captured my imagination it drew me in, like the story of Jesus and his passion wasn't just some story out there. It was, it made it very personal. Uh, I, I got to know these characters, Veronica and the Veil or the women of Jerusalem or Simon of Cyrene. And my favorite one was the fourth station and Mary, you know, thinking of the mother meeting Jesus on the way to Calvary. And, and so it, it was very dear to my heart. But I admit that in our day and age today, where people like things that are really quick, you know, uh, Station of the Cross for some people might be intimidating, right? They might say, oh, it, it just takes too long. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't have time for all that. Or it's, it's, it's too much of a hassle. I, I have to go to the parish. I have to drive fight through all the, you know, the, the traffic or the parking lot. And, and, it, and the time isn't good. It doesn't fit into my schedule. And I want to be clear. I think, I think you should make it a priority to get to Stations of the Cross at least one time this Lent at your parish. I think it's a beautiful thing when you go in your community and you just make a sacrifice. You know what? Just just one time out of these, you know, many weeks of Lent, I'm going to spend one Friday and do Stations of the Cross at my parish or find a parish nearby uh, and and go and participate in as a communal activity, a beautiful event. Um, But I I also want to share some creative ways to pray that are shorter, that doesn't have to take a lot of time at all. And you could do it on your own. You could fit it in your ordinary daily life. You could do it when you're driving your car. You can do it when you're going for a walk. You could do it in your own home. I, I'm going to talk about some creative ways to do that, some ways we've done it in our own family, uh, some ways I've done it just personally when I'm traveling. And uh, I want to share a little bit of that. But but first, I want, I want to talk about the meaning of the Stations of the Cross. I want to make sure you understand just just how powerful this this devotion is. I mean, I think of all the devotions we have as Catholics, right? You know, we have the ones that are directly related to the sacraments, like Eucharistic devotion, adoration. That you know, that that's at the highest level. Then you've got things like the Rosary. You know, that that's very powerful. The Church holds that up high. Stations is another one of those that is 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 way up there. And so, if we're wanting to be 
Catholic disciples. Uh, maybe we should give stations a try if we haven't done it in a long time. You know, I, I want to try it. I want to, but I want you to make sure you understand it. So first of all, know that whatever is happening at your local parish and if they do stations and all, just know it's not just at your local little church there. This is a tradition going all the way back to early Christianity. You really are joining millions, millions of others who've, who've walked in Jesus's footsteps. In fact, the tradition goes back to Jerusalem. One of my favorite things to do when I lead my Holy Land pilgrimage is to get up early in the morning before the sun is even up. And we go through the, the city streets of old Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, and we're meandering around and there's not many people out. It's quiet. It's still. And then we can go pray the stations before the crowds come, before the merchants are out selling their things and loud noises, we can really enter into it in a spiritual way. And, and, and they have these markers of a traditional route uh, that goes back many, many centuries to, uh, to remember Jesus's journey to Calvary. And, and, but that tradition goes all the way back in a sense to the early 100s. We, you know, we, we know that there were Christians that would gather around Christ's tomb and they would remember, you know, his death at Calvary and they would remember his death and they went there to pray and to worship. Uh, you really see the roots of the tradition emerging in around 313 uh, AD when Constantine makes Christianity free, you know, so Christians can worship freely. And his mother, Helen, goes to the Holy Land longing to find all of those sacred sites and build great shrines there. And so you start getting pilgrims from all around Europe starting already in the 300s coming to Jerusalem and, and remembering the, the stories of Christ's passion and walking in Jesus's footsteps, quite literally in some cases. There's a, a famous uh, a pilgrim by the name of Ageria who in, in the late 300s traveled to Jerusalem and she kept a little pilgrim's diary. And so we know about the traditions already in the 300s where the bishop would gather with hundreds of people in Jerusalem and they would begin a pilgrimage from Jerusalem. They would cross the Kidron Valley and go to Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, retracing Jesus's footsteps from the Last Supper across the Kidron Valley over to the Mount of Olives to this garden of Gethsemane where the agony and the garden took place. And they would remember the beginning of his passion. They would read the story of Jesus being arrested and they would weep and there'd be loud cries of lamenting that you could hear all the way across in the city of Jerusalem. And then they would process back into the city and they would remember Christ's passion and they would go to the spot where Jesus had died. They'd go to Calvary, to the tomb, and they had already had some buildings set up there uh, to remember those sacred spots. And, and so you get a kind of sense of, of on procession, people moving, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. The stations of the cross are rooted back in this tradition. So when you do your little stations at your church or in your home, and just know you're, you're kind of walking in the footsteps of this fourth century pilgrim, Ageria, and the bishop and the hundreds of Christians early on in the early church remembering Christ's passion. Uh, in the medieval period, we start getting Franciscan friars who are living in Jerusalem and able to help you know shepherd uh, pilgrims around. But what starts happening is, uh, first of all, not everyone could afford a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, even way back then. Uh, and it's a long, arduous journey, you know, back then. And, and also with the Muslim control of the, of the Middle East, it became harder and harder for Christians to get there. And so what you start seeing happening in, in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s is churches in Europe are encouraged to build their own stations of the cross, their own 
little walk and memory of Christ's passion in their own churches. And by the time you get to 1731, uh, the Pope at the time, Pope Clement XII, uh, solidifies the 12 traditional stations, or the 14 traditional stations of the cross that we have today. Uh, there have been different ways of, of remembering Christ's passion and, and uh, throughout the centuries, and, uh, but, but Pope Clement XII solidifies those in 1731. So there's a rich history behind doing this. Christians going all the way back to early the early church have been remembering Christ's passion and walking in his footsteps. We get to do the same in this beautiful little devotion. Second point I want to highlight is that we should see the stations of the cross as like windows into Jesus's heart. They really are. They, like, like we pause and we reflect on, on his love for us. We see his amazing love as he as he goes to his his death on Calvary, how much he loved us. But I don't want you to think of them as just windows into his heart. Think of them maybe more like doorways. In other words, Jesus doesn't want us just looking from the outside through the window and going, "Wow, thank you, Jesus, that was cool." And you know, we 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 applaud and go, we, you know, good job, Jesus, you you did it, you died for us." No, no, they're not just windows; they're actually doorways. Jesus wants us to enter in, and he wants us to participate in this. He wants his heart to transform our heart. In other words, Jesus doesn't want our applause. He doesn't want us just to reflect, you know, from the outside. He doesn't want our applause. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be changed. And I have to tell you, when I was writing the, um, the book here, the, the, the Pocket Guide to Stations of the Cross, it, you know, it, it was very fascinating to me. I, I wrote this during the pandemic and you know, and, and really reflected on this, especially uh, last Lent. And and again, I had grew up, as I mentioned, I grew up doing stations, but to write my, uh, my own stations of the cross and was was very moving. I was very humbled. I, I feel so unworthy. You know, many you know, people like St. Alphonsus Liguori wrote his stations. I'm, I'm just a simple little theologian trying to, to, to follow Jesus the best I can. Um, but I, I will say, you know, bringing in some of the biblical background the, from, you know, my, my biblical teaching and in, into the stations was, was helpful. But what was most helpful for me was just taking the extra time to really enter into the stations, to really linger on each one. And, and, and this idea of, you know, that they really are doorways of Jesus inviting us to participate in his passion, that, that Jesus isn't just dying for our sake. And then, you know, so we don't have to do anything. He does it all for us. You know, he dies in, in, in this most beautiful act of love. That, that's what his death is all about, a total gift of himself in love. And he wants to reproduce that gift of love in our hearts so that we can begin to love like him. Isn't that the greatest commandment? That's what Jesus says, the new commandment, the night before he dies, after he washes their feet, he tells them, love one another as I have loved you. We're called to love like Jesus. And so I, I need to encounter that love. And so I remember just thinking about some of these these stations and just how beautiful it is to to see and how hard it is to see how Jesus is inviting me to love like him. You know, like whether it's the, you know, the, the first station where he's condemned. I mean, as I pondered that, just pondered, like, I mean, he's the king of the universe uh, and yet he's being falsely accused. They're condemning him. Isn't he the one that's supposed to judge? And and he was misunderstood and he, you know, and 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 I, I just reflect in my own life, you know, there's times in our own lives, right? When we are misunderstood, when people don't appreciate us, when people 
maybe think we're doing something that we're not, and they have a false read on us, a false narrative about us. And, you know, do you have family members like that? Maybe like you, like they go, Oh, I, I know, I know you. And you're kind of like, no, but you don't really know me. You know, there's some dysfunctional relationship with that family member and they've got you in a box. Do you ever feel that way? Imagine how Jesus felt that day. They put Jesus in a box. Oh, he's this bad false prophet. We've got to kill him. We're send him off to, to Pilate to be, to be crucified. There's times in marriage, right? Where your spouse misunderstands you. I mean, I know that happens in, in my marriage. I misunderstand Beth and I'm sure she, if, was, if she was on the show, she'd say she does the same with me. And that hurts sometimes. We can accuse each other. Why did you do that? Why weren't you thinking? Why did you hurt me? We can accuse him, but we, we, we jump to a conclusion. We don't know the whole story, right? And, and that hurts when you're on the receiving side of that misunderstanding. So all of a sudden, this idea of Jesus being a condemned, falsely accused, isn't just like a story and uh, you know something that happened in history. It's something that repeats itself in our own stories. I think about Jesus falling three times and, and the weight that's on his shoulder. And I remember just really reflecting on the burdens that we carry. You know, the burdens we carry from the wounds from our past. You know, Jesus is shouldering that on his way to Calvary. The worries that I, I have, the, the, the struggles, the stresses, when I feel overwhelmed and there's just so much to do and I, got, I don't have as much time or all that's happening in my household as a parent and I'm just exhausted and I feel like I just don't have anything to give. But Jesus is right there. Or Jesus forgiving I mean, he's nailed to the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus is inviting me to forgive. It's hard sometimes when we're hurt by someone to forgive. Do I really have to forgive? You know, I, I, it's really hard. <laughs> uh, I, I was really hurt, Lord. You, you see, I, when I wrote the, the, the reflections for the stations, I really wanted to put them in the context of our modern world and, and the kind of things that you know, we ordinary Christians struggle with today. And to see Jesus meeting us right there in our little struggles, in our crosses, in our hurts and sufferings, but he's inviting us to love like him in the midst of those. He's encouraging us at each of those little moments, but he's also inviting us to love. You see, this leads to a third point. This is why it's called stations. You ever wonder why they called stations of the cross? You know, is it like 91.9, you know, radio station, <laughs> you know? Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, think of it more like the word statio in Latin. Think of it, maybe a modern example would be like a train station, you know, or a bus station where it, 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 the word statio is like a, a, a stop, a place to, to stop, to rest, to pause on the way uh, on a journey. So you're moving, you're moving on a journey, but you stop for a moment, like a bus stop or a, a train station you might think of. We need to do that with Christ's passion. I mean, the story, we hear it all every uh, Palm Sunday. We read the whole passion narrative at mass. And then and, and if you go to Good Friday services, you hear it again from, from John's gospel there. But it's a lot to take in. And it's the most important story of all of scripture. The passion narratives are the climax of the story. And you can't just like sit there on Palm Sunday and just read the whole thing and then be so deeply moved, you know. It is moving, don't get me wrong, but but you need a chance to stop, to rest. You need to pause, to, to meditate on it a little bit, to encounter Jesus there. And that's why it's beautiful, this beautiful devotion of taking time to rest and just, let me just contemplate that scene of, of Jesus condemned to death. And just ponder what that really means. Let me ponder that scene of Jesus meeting his mother. Let me ponder that scene of, of Jesus being nailed to the cross and just reflect in bite-sized pieces. 
the mystery of God's love is so immense, right? And, and you see it in fullest form here in the Passion. You can't just digest it all at once. You need to eat it in bite-sized pieces. So I'm grateful we have these statios, the stations of the cross, to take it in small little doses to reflect. And, that, and I want that story of Christ's passion and his love for me. I want that written on my heart. So that's the beauty of this. This leads to a fourth point is that the stations of the cross involve a physical, mental, and spiritual exercise. It's a physical exercise. You know, we, we, when we generally pray, we, we stand up, we kneel down, we make the sign of the cross, we stand up again, we move. And maybe if you're at your parish and, you know, it can be just the, the pastors moving around and you're, you're just standing and, you know, kneeling in your seat, that's fine. But, but there is kind of like this idea of movement. You're moving with Jesus. That's to remember, you're doing a mini pilgrimage. You're remembering the original pilgrimage of the early Christians like Egeria and, and, and all the Christians throughout the centuries walking in Jesus's footsteps in Jerusalem. We're doing it in our hearts, in our own parishes, our own homes. It's a mental exercise, not just physical. We're filling our minds with the story of Jesus. This is so important as Christians. You know, what we put in our minds, you know, you know we, we, we waste time on so many things that don't matter. What's, you know, the latest stories on ESPN or the latest stories on Instagram? I mean, do those things really matter? You know, let's make sure we're taking time to fill our minds with what matters the most. And that's the story of Christ's passion. So the stations are, are, are a mental exercise that then become a spiritual exercise. Because when I have that story in my mind, then I remember when I feel hurt, I'm united to Christ. When I feel let down by my friends, like Jesus did that day, then then I, I have that story in my mind. Or when I have a lot going on, and I uh, or I stumble and I fall and I make a mistake, I remember Jesus. You know, so beautiful way, physical, mental, spiritual exercise. Finally, let's close with this. I want to tell you about five creative ways to pray the Stations of the Cross. Five ways to pray it. You know, you can do it in the traditional way. That's the first one. There is the traditional way of praying Stations of the Cross where you formally gather in your community, at your parish, your pastor's leading you, you're reading from the little booklets and uh, there's little reflections and little prayers for each of those scenes of Christ's passion. That's a traditional way. Secondly, you can pray it on your own at your parish. Like you could just, I see this all the time. I see many people in the middle of the day, they'll pop into a parish and they just go around and pray Stations of the Cross on their own. Maybe they have a little booklet. Maybe they're just saying some short prayers at each station, but they're going around and moving to each of the stations, the images of the stations or just the Roman numerals in their churches. There is some kind of physical movement. So it's like the traditional way, you're just doing it on your own. And that's fine too. That's a wonderful thing to do. If you can't make it, the time doesn't work for you. Well, guess what? You can find another time to make it to your parish on your own time uh, and just go around and do the stations, whether it's with a little booklet, you can go online, you can look for little reflections. You could use the book I wrote, just wrote the pocket guide to Stations of the Cross. Uh, or you could just say like a Hail Mary at each little scene and just remember it and reflect on it. That's the minimum. The church simply asks just that we reflect, we meditate on each of those scenes in Christ's passion in the stations. A third way, you could pray it at home. You know, one thing our family has done over the years is we do our own little stations at home sometimes. We have candles and we, we have them set up, little candles and 14 candles in all different parts of the house. Uh, and we actually have some of these, these little images that we got many years ago that we place of the stations you know, they're on bookshelves, they're on the, the counters, they're on dining room tables, they're on, they're by the, by the window, all over the house. 
and, and we move around and we turn all the lights off and we move around and we say the prayers. And, you know, so I have a little booklet and we just re- we recite them just like we would at church, but we're doing it in our own home with our own children. We do that every year. But you you can just do it simply in your own house. You could just pray in your bedroom, pray in your living room. You could pray it on your own at home. Number That's the third way. A fourth way. I want to encourage you to even think about just incorporating it into your normal course of life. You can pray it while you're going on a walk, while you're on the exercise machine, uh, in a plane, in a car. I remember one very holy priest, I've probably mentioned him before on the show, uh, Father John Harden. He was a wonderful, faithful Jesuit priest, great leader in the church in the 1970s and 80s, great teacher. And I was blessed to live with him for a while. He, He was a great mentor for me. And I remember. He prayed stations every day, really short, nothing really complicated. But like I would, I remember I'd, I'd have to take him somewhere, you know, and he couldn't drive on his own. He was older. And so I would drive him, you know, on, on some errand and he would say, let's pray stations of the cross. We adore thee, O Christ, and we praise thee. And he would just announce the station, maybe say just like one little line, just something to remember it. And we'd pause and then we maybe, I forget if we said a Hail Mary and Our Father, but it was really short, but we're doing it while we're driving in the car. Uh, I remember I took him to a doctor's office for his for some doctor appointment he had, and we're waiting in the in the in the waiting room, and he says, "Let's pray Stations of the Cross," <laughs> and and we would pray in the doctor's office quietly, you know, over in a corner, and you know, you know, I'm sure some people were wondering what are they doing over there, <laughs> but but in any case, like he just incorporated it in the midst of his daily life. And that's easy to so I think sometimes we think that stations has to be this really big production with, you know, you've got to do it only at the church and with the big community and with those big, you know, booklets. And you can play it very simply. And that's the last thing, the last point I'm going to suggest here. I want to suggest what I like to call the quick stations. Uh, you just say a station of the cross. You just announce the station and you say a Hail Mary. You know, just go, okay, first station of the cross is we adore thee, Christ, and we praise thee. Because thy holy cross, we have redeemed the world. And you just do the first station, Jesus condemned to death. And then maybe just say a Hail Mary. And as you're praying the Hail Mary, reflect on that station. Uh, it's a beautiful way to enter into the season of Lent and, and, and reflect on it. And you could do that in a very short period of time. Just the station, a Hail Mary. And while you're saying the Hail Mary, remember, your, the key is you just have to reflect a little bit on the station itself. Uh, maybe you could do this. You can add a clause after the name of Jesus in each Hail Mary. Uh, like you, like like John Paul II, when he prayed the rosary, he often did it this way. And many countries in Europe do it this way, where you, see, you could say, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, condemned to death. Or blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, falling for the first time. You know, maybe that's a way to kind of like zoom in on the particular station. So that's a simple way. If you once you get the stations memorized, I bet most of us don't have it memorized yet. Um, and you can just carry a little thing in your your pocket, you know, that has a, has a list of the stations if you need it. You just type them out yourself, you know. But but once you have it memorized, I find I've been able to pray it while I'm sitting on a on a plane easily. I've been able to pray it while driving a car. I've been able to pray it while walking through an airport once, I remember. <laughs> and so again, I'm, I'm not like genuflecting and processing with candles or anything, but, but it's just a way to have it simply, uh, the story of Christ's passion written evermore on my heart. This is the greatest story of love. We want it on our mind. We want, us on our, we want it on our heart, especially in this Lenten season. So my friends, I want to encourage you, bring Stations of the Cross into your weekly devotion. Uh, you don't have to go to the parish every week. 
but once a week, ideally Friday is the best day, uh, but once a week, just try to pray them, even simply. It, it, it may take you just seven, eight minutes to just go through each station briefly in, in, the, in the quick stations I just proposed with the Hail Mary. Maybe it takes you 15, 20 minutes. If you do it longer, you know, that, that's fine too. You could pray it at home pray it in the car. But I do want to encourage you, it is a great thing when we can come together as a family of God in our parish community and do that. If you can get to your parish once this Lenten season for stations, that would be awesome. Well, I'd love to hear from you about how you pray Stations of the Cross. Uh, let me know. Tell me any like creative ways you've done it or memories you have of Stations of the Cross. You can email me at info.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsri at gmail.com. Share with me your stories about your experiences with Stations. I'd love to hear from that, and I'll share that with others here on the show. And you can check out my brand new book, Pocket Guide to Stations of the Cross at ascensionpress.com slash stations. That's ascensionpress.com slash stations for my new book on the pocket guide to Stations of the Cross. God bless.